You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges Nashville is a church plant in the heart of Music City, meeting at the Listening Room Cafe in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Here's this week's message. Amen, amen. Y'all give it up for the worship team. Thank you guys so much. Yes. All righty. Well, how is everybody feeling today? Okay, that was weak. How's everybody feeling in the house of God? That's a lot better, a lot better, a lot better. Amen. Well, listen, I'm going to jump into the Word of God today, guys. We're excited, always excited to be able to share God's Word and to learn from it, to grow from it, and to actually do what God tells us to do. But I want to spend uh, some time the next couple weeks here talking about uh, just a thought I had, and that's a big question. Is it religion or relationship? Religion or relationship? And I want to start off by saying Jesus didn't die for religion. Amen? He didn't die for all these religions that are going on. He died so that you and I could have a relationship with him and our heavenly father. And I think that's important to know because, you know, when I think about my church background and, and different denominations coming up through and, and I, I think about, you know, if, if I was God... And this is just my thought right here. If I was God and I'm sending my son to die for people, it's like I, the plan is for people to get to God as easily as they can. Amen? But have you ever felt like it's, it's, there's some religions out there that put all these stipulations on you in order to get to God? And I don't think that's God's plan when he sent his son to die for us. Once again, uh, when Jesus died, you know, the scripture says there was a veil, this huge curtain of veil that only the high priest could go in beyond that veil into the Holy of Holies where the ark was. And, And so the high priest would go in and he would atone for the sins of the people once a year. But can you imagine... When Jesus died, the Bible says that veil was torn from top to bottom. And what is that saying? God is like, I'm getting any hindrance, any obstacle out of your way. And now you have access straight into the throne of God to have that relationship. And that is the thing that once we can can get our understanding around that, guys, we have one-on-one access with God, the creator of the universe. We don't have to depend on a preacher, amen? Although I do hope you like me, but you don't have to depend on a preacher to get you to God when God has made all access. You ever get a, a pass to an event and, and you, you get that all-access pass. How many of you guys ever feel pretty important with that on? Like, yeah, okay. It's like, pay the price for this, but I've got access to everything. And when God sent Jesus to die, he gave us access to everything. He gave us access to everything. Now, when you think about religion, religion gravitates to complexity. You know, God made this very simple for you and I to get to him. Not only get to him, but live the life that he wants us to live. And not only do that, but be able to help other people get there as well. 
Religion makes it difficult for people to get to God and, and build a relationship with him. Let me put it to you this way. Have you ever tried to uh, maybe set up a meeting with somebody who's pretty important? And maybe you called the office and you, and you had to go through all this red tape and all this, uh, you know, things to every, be able to get five minutes with that person. Anybody ever been through that? And you're like, forget that, man. I'm not going to spend time with that. If I got to meet with so-and-so first or meet, do this first or do that first. And pretty soon you're like, okay, that's just too much to go through to spend five minutes with that person. So you forget about that. It's too difficult, too hard. But with Jesus, his death made it very easy. Once again, ripping that veil, making access for you and I to get into the presence of God. Now, here's the thing about the religious system. The religious system was built up of 613 laws. Everybody say 613. How many know that's a lot of laws? Okay. Now, let me break it down further. There were 248 affirmative commands, one for every part of the human body. Now, those were affirmative, good commands. Now, there were 365 negative commands, one for each day of the year. Can you imagine waking up every day scared that you're going to miss the mark? Scared that you're going to do something that, 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 that excludes you from the presence of God? And that's 365 negative commands that you're faced with every single day. Now, I believe, and in the word of God, we're going to see that Jesus comes along with, with his death, burial, and resurrection. He actually does away with that 613 laws, and he makes it very simple. He gives us a couple of commands that if we can just zero in on these commands, we're building that relationship with him, okay? Now, I'm going to be a little redundant because I, I shared this a couple of Sundays ago, but this is my... my um, Precursor to my message. Would y'all allow me to, to go back? Sometimes you need it over and over. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? And uh, I've been in this a long time, and I know, you know, even with kids. I mean, when you're talking to your children, my kids, they're looking at me now. When you're talking to your children, I mean, you've got to tell them things over and over and over and over. And we are God's children, and guess what? He's got to tell us things, what? Over and over and over and over. So Matthew 22, starting at the 34th verse. This is Jesus, and he's having this debate with the religious folk. Everybody say religious folks. With the Pharisees and Sadducees. Verse 34, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they thought up a fresh question of their own to ask him. One of them, an expert in religious law. There's that word again, that religious law. Tried to trap him with this question. Teacher. Which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40, here it is. All the other commandments and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. What were they? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And what was the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. So what did Jesus do? He took the complexity of the law and he made it very simple. Gave us two things to do. How many, how many would take those two things over the, 
365. Come on. Every single day. I got a better chance of doing two things right, amen, than every day messing up. Two things, love God and love people. Now, we talked about the good Samaritan and we saw the example that that he gave, saw his neighbor hurting, uh, went overboard in his love and uh, helped this person out, uh, took him to an end. When Jesus, he goes on to, uh, to tell about who your neighbor is. But I want to I wanna really go back to what does it mean to love God? And this is where we can have that, that one-on-one relationship with him. What does it really mean to love God? And, and we got to really understand, too, we, we can take that term love and use it so loosely. We can say stuff like, well, I love carrot cake. I love barbecue, right? I love my favorite sports team. I, I love this kind of car. We can, we can put so much uh, emphasis on that, but we can dilute that, and then we just kind of throw in, I love God. But what does it mean when you say, well, I love carrot cake? What does that mean without getting too graphic? What are you doing to the carrot cake? You know? What does that mean? What does that mean? So when we say, I love God, what does it really mean? I believe we've misused this term so much that it must take on a new and deeper definition when it comes to loving God. When it comes to loving God. And Jesus kind of shows us in his word, this is where I want to really camp out for the next several moments and and um, hopefully we can take something away from this. But once again, Jesus didn't come so that we can be experts in a religious law. He came so that we can get to know him, so that we can build that one-on-one relationship with him. Now, have you ever had a relationship with somebody, maybe a friend, and somebody else had a relationship with that same friend, but the relationships were different? Okay? This is where we can't get hung up because my relationship with Jesus is going to be totally different than your relationship with Jesus. I mean, he's not this cookie cutter Jesus, but he's going to build that personal. See, personal relationship is different than that surface relationship. He builds a one-on-one. Therefore, we don't have to size ourselves up as Christians with somebody else's relationship with God. I believe the devil can trip us up when we think somebody has a better relationship with Jesus than we do. It's not about a better relationship. It's about a personal relationship. Quit trying to prove to other people that your relationship with Jesus is better than theirs. That's not what it's about. God's never called us to compete. I mean, he's a big enough God to love us all. Amen. He's a big enough God to talk to us all, to treat us all differently. Let's be honest. If you were parents of of multiple children, and my children have have blamed us of this. Sometimes they're like, well, you like like Carrington more than me, or you like like Grayson more than me. We hear that from our kids, right? Come on, you're a parent. You ever heard that from your kids? Because you don't want to choose favorites. And I don't believe God chooses favorites, but he does treat everybody equally and the same, but there's a different relationship that's going on. Why? 
Because we are different. I'm different than you. You're different than me. God knows how to speak your language. God knows how to, how to say something that's going to hit you just right and cause you to step into some action. God knows how to talk to you a little bit differently. My wife, she, she teases me sometimes. As, as you know, uh, we're different colors, okay? <laughs> I'm black. My wife is white. And my, when I get around my family, Rick, it's like I'll start talking like she doesn't even understand what I'm saying, you know? And it's so funny. I remember the first time she was around me and one of my cousins, and uh, I hadn't seen this cousin in years, and we're sitting there. He's telling me a story. I'm laughing, just carrying on. I'm crying, laughing. We're talking back and forth, and Heather's looking at us like, what are y'all saying? Like, she can't even... <laughs> And, and, but Jesus, once again, he'll build that personal relationship where he'll talk to you differently than the way somebody else will talk. He'll talk to you where you can understand it in your language. He'll come down to where you are. He'll come down, meet you at your level, that one-on-one relationship. I love it. You know, sometimes when you can get down on yourself, anybody ever been down on yourself? I love it when I get down on myself, Jesus slips in and he's like, you know, I've been there too. Whoa, how many know that's deep? Or I get afraid of doing something and like, God, do you really want me to step out and do this? And I get timid and, and it wakes me up in the middle of the night and, and, and anxiety. And, and Jesus steps in and says, hey, Adonis, I've, I've been there too. I know what you're going through. Yeah, yeah, that whole Garden of Gethsemane thing. Do you think I really wanted to go die on the cross? Do you think I really wanted to be beaten to the, to the point of not being recognized? Yeah, yeah, I went through some, some scared moments and some timid moments. How I many know Jesus had a breakdown moment? I tell people that are going through some situations where they're just at that mental anguish. Hey, listen. The best person you can talk to is Jesus because he knows exactly what you're going through. See, that's that personal relationship where Jesus can come in and he can tell you some stuff that he went through. So a lot of times we just, you know, we think of Jesus like he had no problems. No, he, he just obeyed God with everything. No, he struggled to go to the cross. Struggled so much to the point he only took three people with him. And here's, here's about that personal relationship once again that Jesus has made a way for you and I to step into that relationship with him. When Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says he took with him who? Peter, James, and John, only three people. He didn't take his whole crew. Why? Because he had, he had different levels of relationships with his disciples. He took the three that could handle his breakdown moment. He took the three that could see him in this anguish and not freak out. We serve a real flesh and blood and bones Jesus who understands everything that you and I go through. And when we get into relationship with him, have you ever been talking to somebody, you were struggling with something, and then they shared with you, they used to struggle with that, but they got through it, and that encouraged you? That's the same relationship that you and I can have with Jesus Christ. Amen? Is this helping anybody? Y'all give me a hand clap to encourage me. It's helping me. 
So let's talk about let's talk about religion is the thing that keeps us at oftentimes from God. And Jesus didn't die for religion, but he died for relationship. And when he rose from the dead, the Bible says he appeared to his disciples several times. And this was one of the times he appeared to his disciples. We're going to go to John chapter 21, and we're going to bring it all together here. But he appeared to his disciples, and he cooked them breakfast. And this was after he rose from the dead. Can you imagine that breakfast? You're sitting around like, okay. See, we don't, we don't think about that. But when you really read that, this is a man that they saw him die, but now he's cooking them breakfast, Rick, <laughs> Some tacos and some, 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 some bacon and eggs. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, okay, do I eat them? What? Am I going to catch something from this? <laughs> this, is a, this man was dead. Is it really him? And, and the Bible says this. Let me, let me back up a little bit. It says, uh, Jesus said, now come and have some breakfast with me. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Like, they're like, okay. They know it's Jesus. He's risen from the dead, but he's like cooking them breakfast. And the Bible goes on to say this, verse 15 of John chapter 21. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? This is where I'm going to get into the relationship part. He said, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. This is relationship. This is, this is what Jesus died for. Verse 16, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. A third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Here he is. Let's go back to that, that relationship. When we really love God and love Jesus, this is what that is supposed to look like. You notice Jesus didn't say, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then I need you to be a good person in church. He didn't say that. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Then, then I need you to know every scripture in the Bible. He didn't say that, Don. He, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Jesus. You know it. You know everything. You know everything. Then I need you to pray for eight hours a day. Some of you be like, well, I'm, I missed that. I'm, I'm not just. <laughs> Some of you just walk out of church right now or just log off online. Like, well, I missed that, that boat. But he told him three things. Guys, this is a, 
relationship. If, if you ever wondered what was your purpose and, and what was this relationship with Jesus? What am I supposed to get out of this? What am I supposed to do with this relationship? You, you, you know, some of you, uh, you remember the first time you maybe had a crush on somebody and you want to do everything for that person, trying to get that person. Now, Jesus is coming along. He's giving us direction. If you really love me, if you're in a relationship with me, this is how you show that. This is what I need you to do. Three things. He said, feed my lambs. Now, when you think of a lamb, you think of a baby what? Baby sheep. So you think of something that maybe, uh, maybe kid-like or it's young. And he said, feed my lambs. Take care of my children. I believe that's one of the things, guys, that God has definitely put on my heart with this, this next generation. Amen. To really mentor this. Ne- Have you ever. How can I say this? And I don't want to. But have you ever been out in the stores. And you see this younger generation. At maybe they work in somewhere. Have you ever just wanted to go up like. Man I wish I had five minutes with that person. And I could, I could, I could change their whole work ethic right now. <laughs> Come on I'm just telling the truth. Just give me five minutes, and if they listen to me, I can change their world right now by saying, just wear your uniform correctly, put your pants up around your waist, put a belt on. This is how you talk to people. (laughs) Smile. Get off your phone. You're at work right now. Do what they hired you to do. Put a smile on your face. Y'all can tell I'm really adamant about it. <laughs> or, or, you, or the younger generation, because you think about, man, when I was, you know, I put my son on the spot. You know, I always tell my son, I said, um, you know, I said, Grayson, when, when I was your age, you know, uh, like when he gets in trouble and things like that, and, uh, you know, I take away his phone or whatever like that. Hey, you ground, he didn't even looking at me right now. But I always tell him, and I tell my daughter too, I said, I said when I was y'all's age, I said, um, if I did something wrong or I said this, I said, Grayson, I would have gotten knocked across the room. Right. Hello? I said, you couldn't survive a whooping that I got when I was your age. You couldn't, son. <laughs> But I believe those little lambs, listen, I believe even Jesus expresses this in the Bible, guys. He's, he's adamant about the children. You, you, you remember when, when the children were praising Jesus and, and, and people stepped in the way like, hey, no, no, you two, that, that religious system kind of steps in the way. And Jesus like, hey, if they don't praise me, I'll make the rocks crowd and praise. Let the children come to me. And I believe God's called us, guys, to really impact this generation, to mentor this generation. The Bible talks about a generation that arose that knew not the Lord. I don't know about you, but sometimes I look at this generation and I think we're headed in that direction. And my my heart's prayer is, God, what can I do to cause them to know you like I know you? 
Because if I really love him, Jesus told Peter, if you love me, I'm going to feed my lambs. If you love me, this is what I need you to do. The second thing he said, Peter, if you love me, take care of my sheep. Now we go back to like full-grown people. This is where God's called us to love people. This is where God's called us as he gave us the example in the Good Samaritan, uh, that sheep that was wounded, bleeding, bruised. And guys, you, you know what? Especially Christian folk, guys, we are masters of disguise. Uh-oh. Amen or ouch. I'll turn around and preach to the brick wall because uh, it's safe for preaching to the brick wall because I'm not looking at anybody. Maybe I'll borrow Rick's glasses. (laughs) But we can be masters of disguise, right? Because we want to put on this persona that everything is perfect. We can be husband and wife driving to church or driving somewhere and and, and almost, almost get a divorce in the car because somebody turned right and they should have turned left. Hello. You know, before I got married, I, got, I, was, what, what, I was 35 when I got married, right, Heather? Yeah. To you. Yeah. <laughs> I was 35. Now, up until then, Steve, I thought I knew how to drive. Got my license at 16. I thought I knew how to drive. Seriously. I thought I knew how to put my signal on and turn left signal on, turn right. I thought I knew all the road signs. When I got married, I found out within two weeks, I did not know how to drive. And it was such, I mean, we'd go somewhere and I'm like, we barely made it there. And finally we got to the point, I would tell Heather, I said, okay, if we're in a rush to go somewhere, then I am not driving. You will drive. I don't know why I said all that, but <laughs> I'm having a long drive home. Yes, I am. Yeah. But I thought I knew how to drive, but obviously I didn't. I really don't know what I was saying. Somebody needs to help me on that. What was I talking about? Disguise. There you go. Thank you so much. Husband and wife could be driving somewhere, fighting there, get out the car. Praise the Lord. How y'all doing? Sure is good to be here today. Nobody knows. Y'all almost got divorced in the car, you know? <laughs> Nobody knows that. We know how to put on the, that, that, that fake face. But you know what? We got to realize that God's called us to be brothers and sisters in the Lord. And if you're going to be real with anybody, you got to be real with your family. You got to be real with your family. When God prompts it on your heart to reach out to somebody, then you got to do it. Because God knows what that person is going through. You can't see it because they've got the face on. But when the Holy Spirit nudges you, listen, Jesus said, if you, if you love me, you got to take care of my sheep. And I'm saying all that to say this. There's hurting people around us every single day. People that are going through stuff. People, neighbors that will greet you with a smile and a pleasant hello, good morning, could be going through something. We've got to be so close to Jesus. We're in that relationship with him 
that he'll tell us. He'll say, hey, Lisa, you know, th that person that you're, you're doing that house deal with, it's not even about the house deal. It's about their life. They're going through something right now. He's called us to reach out, to help the hurting, take care of his sheep. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep. The third thing he said, after you take care of my sheep, then feed my sheep. And this is where I believe if we really love God, one of our hearts desire, because we love God so much, God, how can, I, how can I get other people into a relationship like this that I've got with you? And how do we feed people? Where is it preaching? You're going to hell, turn or burn? Come on, that's not, I mean, no, that's not going to reach anybody. Is it judging people? No, I mean, no, that's not going to reach anybody. But you know how you feed people? You simply share the goodness that God has done in your life. When you're able to be real with people and say, hey, I know what you're going through. I've been there too. I was down and out, but, but God got a hold of my life and this is what I started doing. Encouraging people a little bit at a time. You know, encouragement will go a long, long way. Kindness will go a long, long way. If we allow Jesus to really use us, he said, feed my sheep. There's a lot of sheep out there that are starving to death because nobody's encouraging them. They're going through a hard time. Listen, this is not rocket science, amen? And this is not, this is not, well, okay, if I can just get them into the church. No, you are the church. This is where we miss it sometimes. It's, it's Jesus didn't die so that we can, we can have a message, hey, you just got to come to church and God will fix you. No, it's, it's you are the church. Go outside and reach somebody. Go outside and, and love Jesus by doing what he's called us to do. Amen? I believe that's what this, this whole thing is all about when Jesus gave his life. That's why I'm so excited as, as God keeps giving us the, the, the vision of stepping outside of the four walls of the church and really, really showing the world that we love Jesus by loving other people. Amen? Now, I know I'm getting ready to close and, and, and we'll, we'll continue this on next week as well, but I want you to walk away with this thought. Have you ever asked somebody that you were in relationship, hey, do you, do you love me? You, you ever do that, husband and wife? I, I do that with my wife. Like, hey, you love me? You know? And she's like, oh, why do you keep asking me that? <laughs> or I tell my daughter, hey, hey, you know daddy loves you, right? You know, she goes, she goes, you don't love me. She goes, you really love me. <laughs> That's what she says. <laughs> but how many know every now and then you just want to check up to make sure everything is good? with the person that you're in relationship with. And, and I would challenge each and every one of us here in this building and also if you're watching online, I challenge you to, to ask yourself, hey, do, do I really love you, God? And am I showing you that I love you? What can I do to express my love to you? Well, I hope your mind would go back to what Jesus told Peter. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, then feed my sheep. I mean, when you're doing what God wants you to do, I mean, God will take care of you. 
That's the thing. We get so distracted so many times and we stop from going overboard and loving that person, helping that person because of what's going on in our life. And we've got to reach that place to where we are so dependent upon God and we know that he's going to take care of us, but we're going to be busy about doing his work. Amen? Busy about reaching people for the kingdom. Now, in that busyness, in that, in that feeding the lambs, taking care of the sheep and feeding the sheep. Now, in reality, how many know that could be a hard job? Can I be real? Because we're in a busy, fast-paced world. How do I carve out time for that? Has anybody ever felt like you were just overwhelmed and burned out? Huh? See, there you go. We, we, we get to those moments, but Jesus has an answer. Everybody, thank God that he has an answer for that. In Matthew chapter 11, I'm going to close with this, and we'll pick it up uh, next week. As, as we get back to religion or relationship, I think a lot of times we hit moments of burnout when we get caught up in a system of doing. And Jesus comes and he says this, Matthew 11, verse 28. I'm going to read it in two different translations. I'll start with the New King James. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. Everybody say easy. easy. And my burden is light. Everybody say light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now let's look at that word yoke. Now here, here we go back to religion or relationship. That word yoke, I'm going to read it real quickly here. In the Jewish culture, each rabbi or teacher, I mean, oh, Jesus, they called him teacher a lot. Teacher, rabbi, teacher. In the Jewish culture, each rabbi had a yoke of teaching. This was their style of teaching, their yoke. His yoke was his instructions, his content, and his message. Many rabbis put yokes of teaching on the people that were impossible and legalistic. These yokes pushed people away from the grace of God instead of toward the grace of God. That's why Jesus has to come along and make this statement. My yoke is easy. What is he talking about? My, my yoke is easy. Then the message Bible, it says this. Are you tired, worn out, Burned out on religion. Uh-oh. What have we been talking about? Religion or relationship? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is Jesus saying, when you, when you come with me, work with me. We're going to co-labor this again. I'm going to show you how to do this every step of the way. Listen, if you, if, if you want to get that burden off, listen, don't let religion... Put a heavy load or heavy weight on you. 
But understand that Jesus Christ, listen, he didn't die for religion. He died for a relationship. And if we can lock in with him and if we can get alone, he says, he says, come away with me. Get alone with him. Spend some time with him. Get in his word. And I guarantee you, guarantee you, uh, uh, there'll be a refreshing that comes to your spirit in those burned out seasons, burned out times. You know, I've been doing church a long, long time. And I've, 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 I've had seasons where, where there was burnout. I've been around a lot of people that got burned out. And I begin to ask this question, God, why, why are people burning out on serving you or working for you? You, you might have thought about that. Like, like would, would God create a system that would cause us, Don, to burn out? I don't know what your answer is, but my answer is no. If I'm the creator of the universe and I'm sending my son to die for you and I've got a plan for your life, that plan is not to burn you out by working for me. Does, it, does that make sense for anybody? But that plan, that plan is to have you in a state of peace and rest, but actively doing what I've called you to do. And there's no longer a obligation. God, I'm doing this because I love you. I'm doing this because I love you. Nobody has to tell me to kiss my wife. Now, she's not even looking at me. <laughs> I do that because I love her. Nobody has to come along and motivate me to do something for my children. I do that because I love them. When you have to be motivated to do something for God, you've got to check, is it religion or relationship? Religion will burn you out. It'll have you thinking you've got to, you've got to check off every box to get a blessing to come your way. You got to check off every box to get into heaven. Relationship will free you to where you are enjoying a relationship with Jesus and you're doing what he's called you to do. Amen? This help anybody today? Come on. Give. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To find out more about us and who we are, check out our website at bridgesnashville.com or find us on social media at Bridges Nashville.